Hello, and welcome to Teaching Us for the Bold. I'm Lydia. And I'm Nikki. And today we are bringing you another episode of our Bold Conversations, where we get up close and personal with a real-life teacher. So today's guest is Angela Niederhan from Salem, Utah. She started teaching in August of 2015 and has taught a whole slew of business and digital media classes. I'm not going to list them off because there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, she's led FBLA and the Skyhawk show for her school. And next year, she will be the DECA advisor. So that's really exciting. She's the mother of two adorable kiddos. And she is currently binging, binging all of Grey's Anatomy, full respect, so welcome to the podcast, Angela. <laughs> Thank yay, you welcome. So much. Yes. I love so being we're here. just gonna yay. We're <laughs> just gonna kick it off and have you like tell us your story. Well, uh, my story is uh I'll try to be brief because there's a lot to my story, but the reason I became a teacher is because my mother was a teacher. Hmm. And my mom was the kind of mom that brought her girls with her everywhere she went. So she has two girls. I have two girls. I really aspire to just bring my girls with me everywhere so that they can catch the love of teaching. And what I uh, observed as a child of my mom being a teacher was that everyone knew her in town. Everywhere she went, she would bump into someone she knew. And I love that. I thought she was famous. If you'd asked me, I thought my mom was a rock star. I thought everyone in the world knew who she was. And she just exuded this joy and happiness and connection with people. And she was so good. She would stop at the grocery store and we couldn't leave for like 20 minutes because she'd be like engrossed in some deep conversation with someone. And I didn't understand it. It was really annoying to me then. But as I became an adult, I just thought, um, I just caught that bug of, loving people and just seeing the goodness in people, no matter what they've been through or what, what challenges they face. And, uh, when I told my mother that I wanted to be a teacher, I was 24. I had had a career in retail and, uh, food service industry and furniture business. Uh, I had helped several entrepreneurs. I'd been, I had done an eight month internship at an advertising company in Abu Dhabi. And I had had some really promising career uh, aspirations and I loved all of them, but they were all incredibly stressful and I knew it wasn't very good for my mental health. So when I told my mom, I want to be a teacher, she said, are you sure? Like, it's not what it used to be. You know, it doesn't pay well. It doesn't, you know, you're never going to be that sage on the stage anymore. That's not how it is. You're not going to be, you're not going to be famous. You're going to be the guide on the side. And I appreciated her honesty, uh, but I told her, look, it wasn't my choice to become a teacher. I prayed about it. God told me to be a teacher. So take it up with him because I'm just following his instructions right now. (laughs) And it's taking a lot of faith because I agree with you. I want to be paid what I'm worth. And Mm -hmm. this is, this has been on my mind and heart for a long time. So I'm going to do what he's asking me to do. I'm not sure what's going to come of it, but uh, I, I went to school, I did my degree in, at UVU, and I did it in four years, which was very fast for this, this day and age to, to do it so, so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of it, I got married, and I got married two weeks after I graduated valedictorian in my class. So I graduated valedictorian, spoke at graduation, wow. moved out of my apartment the same day, and then prepared for an interstate move. I got married two weeks later and 
made myself homeless in the process. Didn't even realize it. I was so stressed. I didn't even realize I had made myself homeless. <laughs> oh, so no. I called my friend. <laughs> I said, can I please move in with you for the week with my brother who's in town to be here for my wedding? <laughs> she was like, don't oh. worry. We got you. We've got extra rooms. Just oh my gosh. House. So it was, it was very stressful time for me. I was in the middle of a mental health breakdown, but I didn't know it. Uh, because I was so on top of my game, you know, I was thinking I'm graduating valedictorian. I'm the smartest person of my class. Yeah. And that was my identity. That was who I really believed I was. And mm -hmm. I, I, you know, we had a wonderful wedding and my husband and I spent our honeymoon moving to Washington, uh, state for his, the end of his Navy career. He was stationed there in Oak Harbor. And it's a beautiful town in the summer. And we got there in the summer. It was beautiful those first few months. And I was fine. But when the weather changed in September, October, and it got really gray and really dark, I started mm -hmm. not sleeping. I started not sleeping for long periods of time. I, I went five days without sleep. One of the Holy days. cow. Which, if you Whoa. know anything about not sleeping, it's a form of torture for a reason. Because everything starts to hurt. Like, my entire body. I would go to the doctor and they would, I was being diagnosed. I, I had healthcare for the first time in my adult life. I had not had any healthcare ever. And I suddenly was a Navy wife and had access to any healthcare, you know? So I was going to doctor after doctor and they, I got so bad on the, when, when I was sleeping, they asked me, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? And I just said, I hurt everywhere. I haven't slept. I just hurt everywhere. And they put the blood pressure cuff mm -hmm. on me and, uh, it triggered me and I started screaming at them to take off the blood pressure cuff. I mean, I was acting so irrational, but I was just in so much pain. I could, I can't even describe the tingling. And then the hallucinations started. And then they started mm. thinking, who is this person? Wow. So I spent a week in a mental health ward. And, uh, and at the end of it came out of it thinking, am I still the smartest person in my class? Mm. Can I be, can I have a mental mm. health? Can I have a mental health issue? You know, I got diagnosed with bipolar type one. There's two types of bipolar. If you have manic episodes, you're automatically bipolar type one is what they mm. told me. And I was like, I don't know what this new identity means. What does it mean to be bipolar when I think I'm the smartest person yeah. in the room? You know, so yeah. it was a real, mm -hmm. real identity swap. Just kind of what do, what do I mean to myself now? So I took the next year. And I had a desire to be a teacher still. I really saw myself in the classroom. And I, I, but the doctors told me, you really need to be stable right now. And I had a desire to have children, but they told me, um, do not have kids right now. The doctors just said, do not have kids right now. This is not the time for you to be having children. And mm -hmm. that broke my heart all over again. So then I had two things, you know, I can't sure. have kids. I can't do what I want. So I, I wanted to teach. So I started substitute teaching and it was good for me at the time because I could do it on the days I felt good. Cause you know, there's good days and bad days. So it was you know, on the days I felt good. I could totally do it. And on the days I didn't feel good, I could stay home and just rest. Mm -hmm. So, um, it was, it was great having that flexibility. Um, so I substitute and had some interesting experiences, which I'm sure I'll share. But while I was there in Washington, um, I, I had my word for the year for the two years I was trying to recover was stability. And my whole goal was how can I build a stable life as a bipolar person who has dreams and goals and ambitions? What can that look like for me? So I did everything I could. I, I read all the things I <laughs> I just started from ground zero and just said, okay, what things bring me stability? And the thing that kept reminding me is I could always be successful in school 
And I was very, I was very, it was very helpful for me to have a regimented schedule. Something mm. about the school schedule really worked for me to bring stability. It wasn't what I like. I prefer to have freedom and flexibility, but the schedule kept me productive and it forced me out of bed. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this school thing is really for my mental health, not really about, I mean, I want to help kids, but sure. I'm going to use this as the thing that will keep me stable. Something about the school, the school schedule really helps me. So, um, I, I did that for a while and I eventually got stable enough that I went to Abu Dhabi to visit my family for six months. And when I came back, I would, I had, I got hired on as a teacher at Salem Hills where I had done my student teaching, um, all the time before, but I came back as a very different person, if you can imagine, because I had been through a very yeah. different experience, but I was still the dedicated teacher that I wanted to be. And they created a position just for me because when I called and said, Hey, do you have a job? They said, we'll make one because we know you're amazing. So I was very blessed and honored to have wow. them show up. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was a very, it was a very, very big gift and a true testament to working hard on an internship and on a student teaching experience and having it come back double fold. Cause I didn't feel, I didn't feel that I deserved any teaching positions at the time because I had had some not so great experiences as a sub. So I was really worried um, that I wouldn't, I wasn't going to be successful. But mm -hmm. I was committed to doing several things, and some of those things uh, I would like to, I would like to share with you as we get going. But um, one of them was to take my medication every day at the same time, no matter yeah. what. And that's hard for a lot of bipolar people. Most bipolar people don't want to do that because they feel like it hampers their creativity. They feel like they can't really do what they want to do. They're not themselves if they take their medication every day. But for me, I was like, the doctors told me, if you want to be stable, if you want to do this, you got to do that. You got to take the meds and you got to take the meds, even if you believe you don't need them. Yeah. And that was weird. Cause I was like, well, usually you take a medication only when you need it. But he's like, you're never going to believe you need it because you have a mental illness and you think you don't need it. That's the trick of a mental illness. That was yeah. really hard for me to understand. So I, when I finally just committed, I'm going to take my pills every single day at the same time, no matter what I said, I'm doing this on faith. I don't know if it's going to work for me. I don't know what's going to happen, but I can tell you, uh, it didn't feel like myself at first for the first year. I just felt like a zombie. Um, it took me a long time to find a medication that worked too. But when I did find a medication that worked on the psychiatrist that was listening to what side effects I wanted to live with, uh, then it became a lot easier. And, and as that, I found one at the same time, I got the new job in Salem and I was able to work with him at the same time that I was learning to be a teacher. And now here we are seven years later, I've taught like at least 10 or 15 different classes and I've had, you know, hundreds of students work with me and a very, very positive, uh, supportive environment. So I just can't say enough about how much I've, I've loved being a part of the Skyhawk family. That's amazing. All of this is yeah, amazing. What a story. <laughs> I know. Like, number one, like, like, all I'm thinking in my mind here, and Angela, I think I told this to you when you shared it, like, I'm so honored that you'd be willing to share the story with us. Um, because I, you're just breaking down some stigmas, right? You're breaking down right. the stigma of mental illness mm -hmm. and like, that we can't talk about it. And like, somehow it doesn't exist when it exists for lots of people and people can function just fine if you manage it. And then even, and even the stigma of like taking medication to support your mental health, because yes. some people see that as like a no, no, 
but what you're speaking to is it's made such an incredible difference in your ability to manage it and live with it. Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, God and faith have helped me in the in t- with all the other things I couldn't understand too. But yeah. um, for sure, the medication has been a huge, huge part of it. And I went. I'm part of a bipolar support group on Instagram, and I always encourage people who are new to the group, like just keep talking with your psychiatrist. If it's not feeling right, just go back and tell them what's not feeling right. And if there's a side effect you don't want to live with, then go back and say, I don't want to live with the side effect. For me, they put me on lithium. Well, they put me on a medication that didn't work for me and I had another episode. So the first mm. the first one we tried didn't even work. But when we went back to the doctor, they prescribed a new one. The second one they tried was lithium. And that medication is a good medication for mood stabilizing. But there's a couple of things you have to do with it. You have to get shots every six weeks. And I do not like shots because I have been <laughs> popped poked and prodded and all the things mm. getting it diagnosed for the full year. I, it was like trauma every time they wanted to take my blood. Yeah. And I, I just, I just was like, so over it. So I did that for a year because I didn't think I had options. And when I learned like, no, you can tell your psychiatrist what you, what, what side effects you're willing to live with. It also cost me to gain almost 60 pounds because mm. I just was wow. insatiably hungry on it. And so yeah, sure. I, when I got a new mm-hmm. psychiatrist, I said, I don't want a pill that makes me overweight or insatiably hungry. And I don't, and I need it to be pregnancy safe because I really want to have children. And I'm, I, it needs, I don't want to be going back and forth on different meds just to have the baby. I, I need it to be pregnancy safe. So I'm on a, most people want to know what I'm on because that's just kind of the, the things people uh, talk about when they're um, sharing <laughs> bipolar stories. But yes, I'm on a on Geodone's Prazodone right now, and it's the only mental health pill I take. It's a mood stabilizer and antipsychotic drug, and uh, it's been working for me really well. I in the beginning I felt like it made me kind of anxious and edgy. Um, but the longer I've taken it, the less that's been a problem. And I did say, take some anti-anxiety to go with it in the beginning, but now I don't even need those because um, I hardly use them. So, so it's, but I do still have side effects. Like it's changed my handwriting because it has to do with my motor skills. And sometimes I trip up on my words, which I don't really enjoy because I used to have perfect speech. So that's hard for me, but those two side effects are something I've can live with, you know, so it's like, you know, you choose what you can live with and what, what's unacceptable. Absolutely. Can you share, I'm trying to decide like where I want to start, maybe talk about specifically what it's been like as a teacher, even like the high, like if you have like highs and lows with it, like what that's looked like. Um, Could you share about that? Sure. Um, and it, that, it, when you talk about bipolarism, it is a lot about the highs and lows of writing the highs and lows. Um, when I think of the lows, I'll start with the lows because um, the low point when I talked, I kind of exuded to this earlier, but uh, alluded to this earlier, but um, one of the days I was substitute teaching, I was substitute teaching in a little town called Coopville and it was only 15 minutes from my house and it was the closest school district to me that would allow sub. So I had worked so hard to get them to call me. I had like shown up several times and then like, and just put my business card in every teacher's box and like been super friendly with the receptionist (laughs) and done all the things to try to get them to call me. And they called me on a day I was elevated and I didn't know it. It was about the time, like I said, the the first medication they tried me on wasn't successful. So Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, 
I had to go get the car for my husband at, at the base so that I could go because I didn't have a car. So I called my friend and she picked me up and I'm talking in the car and she goes, Angela, are you feeling okay? And I'm like, I feel great. I do not know what you're talking about. I feel amazing. I'm just talking about it, you know, and I'm just fine. It's fine. Well, I go and we pick up the car. My husband sees me and he, he's only interacting with me for two minutes to exchange the keys. And he goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally fine. Why are you guys so worried about me? I'm totally fine. I'm having a great day. I feel amazing. It's going to be, it's going to be wonderful. I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's like, okay, sure. But I really feel like maybe you should go home. No, I told them I'm going to be there. I said I would be there. I'm, I'm not going to be a flake. Like I worked so hard to get this. I'm going to this interview. So I show up and they say, all we need you to do is be the teacher in the room while these kids take the test. You just have to sit there, watch them take a test. I'm so manic. I don't remember what happened, but somehow I remember. I remember standing at the whiteboard and writing the word sex on the board. And I remember standing what? there lecturing to them. And I remember their eyes just being like, what is she talking about? And then there's a, oh my and then God. a, girl, stood up, a girl stood up and said, I'm going to go get the principal. And I was like, you go do that, girl. It's going to be great. I was like so out of it. Oh, my so gosh. She, she runs You're against just going. I'm just going a mile a minute. I, nothing's going to stop me. So the principal comes in and he sees what's going on. I'm sure he saw the word on the board. Like, I'm sure he just was like, what is going on in here? So he pulls me. He says, Mrs. Mary, I think you better come with me. And so he pulls me off to the side and I, I, as soon as he gets me out of the room, I just say, oh, thank you. I was so, it was getting really hot in there. Like it just was like, I was like so relieved to be off the stage or off the, off of their vision, but I didn't see that I had had a mental breakdown. And so he pulled me into a sick room and laid me down and said, I think you should just lay here for a minute until you feel better. And I started having all kinds of like nausea and dizziness and like, sur- like, I feel like I'm in a dream. Like I felt like the whole experience was a dream really to be, yeah. be true. And he doesn't know, you know, this, these poor people, they don't know what I'm going through. They have no concept. They have no reference to know that I'm being diagnosed with a mental illness. They just know that I'm acting really, mm-hmm. you know, scary. So they're terrified mm-hmm. and they send me out the door and say, oh no, you, and I said, I'll come back on a day when I'm feeling better. He goes, oh no, 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 no. You don't need to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's the only job mm-hmm. I've ever been not invited back to, <laughs> which was really hard for me. But at sure. the same time, it was, it was very difficult to, to realize I am not welcome in this place. But at the same time, I, I learned a very valuable lesson that you can flip from one to the other, especially when you're not when you're not stable, when you don't have the right medication, it can happen out of what, what, out of nowhere. When you think, you know, you think you're fine and you're not fine. You're really Mm -hmm. not fine, but you don't know it. So, um, I, one of the first things I did when I went to my, that was probably, that was the lowest of the low, uh, for me. And and as far as mental health and teaching, but I have, I'm happy to report I've been stable for seven years and I have never had an episode like that with Salem Hills. So I, yes, I mean, it's, it's amazing that I've been able to not have another episode like that, but I, one of the first things I did do my first year is I pulled my teacher bestie aside, you know, my friend across the hall from me, we'd been having lunch together several months now. And I felt like she was somebody I could really trust. And I told her, I have something I need to tell you. And I really hope that you'll be understanding about this and just hear me out for a second. 
I've, I've been recently diagnosed with a mental illness. I was just diagnosed a year and a half ago. I've been stable for a year, but there's a chance you could walk into my room and I'm doing something really weird. I just need you to promise me if that ever happens and the kids are telling you I'm acting really weird, that you'll just come get me and put me in the faculty room and call my husband. That's, mm-hmm. that's all I want you to do. And yeah. she was like, mm-hmm. okay, okay. But she, she was like, I can do that. I can totally do that. And just knowing that I had someone in my corner, if something was to happen, gave me the courage to keep, keep going and, and write out, write out whatever craziness was happening. And, um, I really, I really have not had a single, I can all honestly say, even on the days that are not so great, I, they're nothing like that. They're, they're, they're a lot more in the middle. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't, instead of going like this, I'm, I'm going, I'm going like this on my way. So it's just been, uh, my, some of the best days though. Um, I've had a lot of really great days in Salem and that's because the culture is just so encouraging and supportive and we just cheer for each other and we just want everyone to uh, do their best and we just encourage, encourage, encourage. So um, some of my best days I can think of are um, I put, I was put into a position on my second year of teaching. The principal came to me and offered me to be the TV broadcasting teacher. And I wasn't trained in TV broadcasting. I didn't know anything about video. I, I was a photographer by nature, but I didn't know about video, didn't know anything. But I, I thought, <laughs> sounds like sounds- education. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Take this thing and run with it. <laughs> you'll figure it out. You would be a good fit. <laughs> They say, you'll do it. You'll, you'll figure it out. And, and I was like, I said yes without even thinking because I was so excited. That sounds like so much fun is what I was thinking. So right. of course I'll do it. You know, I didn't even think about it. Didn't sleep on it. Well, that September, that happened in like May. By September, I had my first panic attack because it was overwhelming. Mm, I was sure. in over my head and there was mm-hmm. so much I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I was realizing how much I did not know. And I had spent the whole summer preparing. I had done all the things I could to prepare, you know, and, and get ready. And when I was in it, I told my husband, I don't know what I've done. I've taken on too much. This is, I can't figure it out. Yeah. And we just took it a day at a time. And you know what I did? I learned from the students because there were two or three kids that had been in that class for two years. They were seniors and they taught me everything they knew. And I just asked them all the questions. And I, drilled them and would say, why are you doing it that way? What, why is this working with this? Well, we do it this way because, and this is how it works because, and I learned from them and they taught me that first, those first two years, the students taught me how to be a good teacher. And then the next few years, I got more confidence and was able to help them. And uh, when my principal came and asked me, are you sure you want to do this with the pregnancy again? And I I thought, no, I, last time I had, I was pregnant. The sub wasn't prepared. And I came mm. back to a total mess, total, yeah. total. I mean, I had to rebrand the show and cancel it because oh, of gosh. some of the things that had happened in my absence. Yeah. Welcome back to a track, you know, train wreck. Yeah. But I spent the first two weeks back, you know, newborn baby at home and I'm trying to fix the show so that we, and that's when we rebranded it to the Skyhawk show. And I, I just said, we're going to start grand zero. We're going to be clear about what, why we're doing everything. The vision for the show, it needs to be, and it was all student led. Why do we do it this way? What are we really looking for? What should we, what should we be 
doing. And um, it was amazing, but we turned it around and came out with a really great product that I was really proud of. So, That's awesome. So, yeah. It's, and it, I just learned so much in the process. <laughs> okay. Nikki and I have talked about it before. Like I've learned countless things from yes. my students and oh, I'm yeah. grateful for them every day. Oh yeah. Um, and that's such good learning for them too, to be able to teach somebody else. So to I'm teach. sure, yep. I'm sure yes. they know that stuff better than ever because they had to teach it to you. Oh yes. And they've come back. Lots of them are still successful in video making and in other careers. And they've come back and told me like, Mrs. Netterhan, it really helped us. Like you were just so willing to learn and we were so willing to learn with you. It was like we were co-learners and it was just, it was a really special time. We really grew. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's awesome. So, um, you mentioned just in that little last anecdote that there was a point where you felt like you were like drowning a little bit, right? Like I've taken on too much. And to give you a little context as to why I left teaching, um, that was a huge part of it is like my, I've never been diagnosed with anything. I've never taken anything for depression or anxiety, nothing. Right. I fresh out of college, became a teacher. I did it for five years. And I was drowning all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lydia knows I took on yeah, a did. lot of responsibility in our building. And I just, they asked us in our interview for the district that we taught in, um, how do you avoid burnout? And I gave this amazing answer of knowing when to say no. And then I never said no. Um, <laughs> oh, so <dear>. anyway, <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, I took on a lot of things, but um I got lost in that. Now I forgot where I'm going. So I lacked the ability to set boundaries and like protect my time. And it affected my mental health, which then 100% affected my physical health. Um, Like my blood pressure was sky high. I had headaches every single day. I did nothing but sleep when I was at home. It was like, it was a very dark time for me. So like as someone who is experienced and like balancing this, like, work, life, mental health, Mm -hmm. what would you say to people? Um, or what recommend, like what advice would you give on setting boundaries? Because, um, I kind of read in your bio too, that you have some pretty strict boundaries that you keep. Mm -hmm. Um, and for someone who is bad at that, (laughs) what, what would (laughs) you teach us? Angela? (laughs) Okay. Right. Let us your ways. Let me tell you a story about when I said no to someone, the basketball coach came to me about two or three years in, I had gained more confidence but I had gained enough confidence to know what my system could handle and what technically my students could do. And he came to me and said, would you be interested in broadcasting the basketball games for us on KSL? And it'll be you know, awesome because we'll get so much viewership. And I knew that that would require me to go to every basketball game so that I could manage my students so that I could help them be successful. I knew that they weren't strong enough to do it without me. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that we did not have the manpower because we didn't have the enrollment to support it. The teachers that were doing that had had programs of 50 to 100 kids. I had 25. So to ask 25 kids to do that kind of a season was yeah. too much. And I said to him, look, it's a lot more complicated. Our system is not as updated. It's not able to just set up and go. It's not, it's not portable like other systems. Other schools that are doing this have a portable system and they have twice as many kids as me. And I'm just not willing. I, I would love to ask the students if they would like to, but all I can do, it's like pulling teeth to get them to go to the games just to get footage. If you wanted yeah. us to be there and broadcast mm-hmm. the whole time, you're it's too much. I can't do that for you. I'm really sorry. I wish I could say mm-hmm. yes, 
but I just can't. It's not going to be feasible. So, you know, knowing knowing the circumstances really helps you to say no. And if you can give their reasoning why you're saying no to the person and then say, I wish I could say yes, it makes it so much easier. And, you know, like that person and I are not best mm-hmm. friends by any means, but we have an amicable relationship. He accepted it and they, they found something else and they found someone else to do it. So um, you have to know your limits. And, and one of the things that I do too, that I kind of talked about this in my bio, but one of the things I do is I always make sure that I feel the best I can. And that means a good night's sleep and early bedtime. And my bedtime is 10 o'clock and some teachers go to bed at eight o'clock and that's great for them. I tend to go to bed a little bit later because I need that me time to fill myself up. I need my TV time and I need my time with my husband without my kids. And so <laughs> that one hour is like precious to me, right? That's those two hours, which just me and my husband and the TV, like that's precious time for me. And it helps me reset. So I do that and I go to bed very quickly. And then um, I also do certain the same things in a certain order, like the predictability of it. You know, we watch shows and then we, we, I usually shower and then I read my book and then I go to sleep. So I, I kind of try to do the same things mm-hmm. every day. And another thing I do is I try to sleep as much as I can in the morning. I try to get ready in 15 minutes between when I wake up and when I'm out the door. Mm-hmm. So I am mm-hmm. like super fast out the door in 15 minutes kind of person. And then I often will take a nap on my prep. Nice. Because, yes, I, I don't. Ooh, let's talk about that. Care. Because I think yes. that, that's a, a life taboo hat. subject. But we had, right, like we had a lot of teachers that napped in our building. And in my brain, I'm like, how could you do that? You're at work. But now as I'm like looking back, I'm like, you idiot. You should have no, been napping you this been whole napping. time. Yeah. Because, and the reason <laughs> why, tired. Yeah. if you don't nap on your prep, then you need to nap at home, but every teacher needs a nap. That's, that's yeah. what I believe. And, and if you don't, Agreed. then your teacher tired. Yeah. You're or at not least just like kind of way, tired. I think, or at least some way to like fill your cup in the middle of the day. So even if it's yes. not napping, right? Like shut off the right. lights, close your eyes for 20 minutes. Like the darkness Rest. is good for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Spot I didn't spot. always sleep on my prep, but I did yeah. always shut off the lights and close my eyes and think through. And a lot of the times I was just meditating. I was thinking through, okay, what went well with that show? What didn't go well with that show? What can I do better tomorrow? What can I tell them tomorrow that will help mm-hmm. them to do better tomorrow? And that those kinds of thoughts aren't necessarily sleepy, restful. And sometimes I would doze off for five minutes, but sometimes I would just yeah. meditate thinking to myself, what can we do better? And those moments when I was in my room with the lights off, I had a couch in my, in my room at the time. So I was like laying on a couch, but now I don't, ha- I got rid of the couch because the kids were sleeping on it and doing stuff. And I was like, we can't both be sleeping in the same place. I was like, I'm giving up my napping place, but at the same time, I think it'll be better for me. And uh, I, I now sleep in my chair, but it's okay because I, when I do sleep, I try to remember that I, I'm resting now so that I can put my best foot forward so that I can be there for them when they need me to be there. And so that I can answer their questions and be present because if I'm worried about myself and how I'm feeling, I can't be present with them and I'm going to ruin that interaction. And the thing about working with teenagers is you only get those five seconds they give you and they're only going to come to you when they have no other options to give them. 
because mm-hmm. they're because they're usually so like afraid to come to you or if it's not if it's not a fear they just don't care you know so it's one of the two either they are too terrified to actually ask you something or they don't care what you're gonna say either way they just want to get it done and have it off their plate Mm -hmm. but no matter how they come to you you only get those five seconds with them so if you're not like committed to building that relationship and asking the right follow-up questions and, and, and really helping them see, I care about you in those five seconds, you might not get another chance with that kid. Yeah. You know? And so you just have to be, you just have to be present with them. And that requires a lot of concentration. It requires you to be totally centered on how you're feeling. And if you're tired or cranky or mad at your husband, you're not going to get it. Again, not, they're not going to get the best of you, you know. That's right. That's right. So, you yeah. know, I yeah. Uh, you bring. Oh, go ahead, Lydia. No, I was just going to say, like, I I didn't do a great job of this as a teacher, but when I was doing a pilot PBL program, and we had we five teachers shared 120 students all day long. Like, I didn't have a prep. I did. I taught nine preps, or didn't have a planning period. Excuse me. I had nine preps. They were in there from the beginning of the day through the end. It was great. It was crazy. It was wonderful, but it was crazy. Um. But we had mm-hmm. second lunch. So that meant you had like 25 minutes to kick off class and then they'd go to lunch. And that 25 minutes was useless. <laughs> I mean, teenagers are not going to get locked in for 20 minutes. So I started doing a couple of times a week. We did like yoga, me- yeah. meditation. Right? And I, t- I only had like five or six kids come consistently, but we would shut off the lights. They all, every single one of them, even the kids I didn't expect they really enjoyed it because they liked closing their eyes. I mean, who, what teenager doesn't like, like sleeping yeah. in the middle of the day, but they like really, well, honestly, one kid was like, Miss D it's like, I'm kind of like being high. Like I feel so calm and rested. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, dude. Like, you're high yeah. Life right now, dude. That's what but it feels that's... like to be good and centered. Right? Like, but if that's the, if that's, the likeness you have, I can't comment on it, but, uh, but they just, they really enjoyed it. I think what you're speaking to is it's good for kids and it's good for adults for us to like power down in the middle of the day and then power back up. And there's, there's nothing to be ashamed about that. We're going to, when we launch merchandise, we're going to sell bold teacher, uh, pillows and blankets and y'all can have them in your classroom. Oh, that is smart. Lydia. Yes. Um, So I used, In my theater classes, especially sometimes even my speech classes, um, we, there was an app called calm. It's like a shameless plug for this app, Um, but they offer teachers, (laughs) right. We are not sponsored. We would love to be, Hey, Oh, um, that teachers get like a free premium subscription. I don't, I think they still do this. So you should look it up if you don't have the info, but if my kids were just like, we just like, weren't vibing right like we weren't in the same space I would I'm like okay lights off all your tech away I don't want to see any glowing screens I don't care if you fall asleep but I need you just to close your eyes and I would turn on a meditation and it's really cool because it guides you through like you know you can pick 10 15 20 30 minutes of meditation and we would probably do like 10 to 15 um and they, they loved it and like it was nice because you know how like kids can just like push you and push you and push you and push you. And then you're here and then it's just, ugh. and so it was a nice way for me to reset too. 
but it was just such a good and in elementary education you hear like brain breaks all the time right like they get up and dance and wiggle and stuff and I think teenagers kind of need the opposite like they need a chance just to sit and be still and not think and so that's what I used it for um all the time oh my gosh you're so right about to go that I do do yeah like teenagers too when they're feeling high energy and they love it so don't let that don't let that persuade you but uh sometimes they need to dance sometimes they need a nap (laughs) and that's the difficulty of teenagers teenagers, (laughs) which is why I like them so much we relate on so many levels yes so yes what other what other practices so like you've talked about setting boundaries I love this conversation around like resting your body in the middle of the day, whatever that looks like for you. Um, what other practices have you found that you feel like have helped you manage your mental illness, but also keep you in a good spot as a teacher with, you know, all of your mental health? I find that being exposed to quality ideas is very, very important. Mm-hmm. So I absorb quality ideas and information in several different ways. The first one is Instagram. I follow very good child psychologists. I -hmm. follow parenting tips. I follow anybody who has uh, expertise in helping with child development and child management. Um, And I interact with those pages. I follow several mamahood and motherhood uh, groups too. And that is to help me with my personal life with my toddler because toddlers and teenagers have a lot in common, you know, with this temper tantrum (laughs) thing. So uh, managing my toddler has actually helped me manage teenager emotions even better because hers are more extreme, but their emotions are just as real and just as just as, you know, waves Mm -hmm. of emotion can overcome them just as easily, Uh, but they hide it a lot more. So you have to be, you have to be looking for it, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to be a detective with that. But, but at the same time, um, I follow those kinds of accounts and I just absorb as much positive psychology, female power, women's power, teacher power. I follow a lot of teachers, but positive teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, or I try not to follow the poopy teachers, but I do follow board teachers on Instagram because they have good. They're pretty great. <laughs> they are pretty great. Yeah. I follow them for, for a good laugh. And I send those to my friends every once in a while, just for a cranky laugh. Yeah. But, but, um, so those kind of, and, and sending those funny news to my teacher friends always makes me feel better, even though I'm probably annoying them with my stupid mm-hmm. memes, but I, they love it and I love it. And it makes us feel like we're on the same team. So that's, exactly. that's all the, that's the whole point of that. <laughs> Um, I also have started listening to podcasts on my way to work. Shout out to yeah. Brene Brown. Um, she's great. She's amazing. And uh, anytime I listen to her podcast, I just feel so your much. your girl. Yeah, she's my girl. I, I'm just like, I am ready now to take on any any topic and any trauma and any anything that comes my way because I'm committed to being awkward, brave, and kind. I'm yep. committed to just being myself and being real with that person and absorbing whatever, you know, happens and whatever shows up, I'm going to be my, I'm going to be my true self and I'm going to watch for their true self and help them find that. So I, I, it's so empowering to listen, to listen to her, but also um, a couple of other podcasts too, but, but absorbing in quality information so that you feel like you have something to offer or some, you know, it, it increases your, your wisdom. As you absorb that quality information, you just get better and better yeah. at sharing it with other people. Yeah. 
I think, I mean, all the things you've talked about, I feel like kind of go back to your word from a while ago now, but stability, right? Like you found moments of control. So you're trying to control the ideas that you intake. You're trying to control your routine, um, like all those different things. And that's what provides you stability. Yeah, 100%. So uh, it, it was a long journey though. You know, I started that journey sure. seven years ago and I've had several words since then. My words this year are, well, last year it was embrace because I was missing hugs from COVID. Oh, you know, I get that. I was mm. like, I just need to be yes. embraced and I need everyone <laughs> to embrace me. And COVID was kind of ending and, or we were hoping it was going to end and we would be able to hug each other again. And I, I, I now we're out of the practice of hugging each other. Uh, do yeah. you find that? Do you see, do you, I do. you notice that? I think we're out of the practice and now we feel awkward about it. So I've been, I've kept that word for this year because I'm trying yeah. to remember to still embrace people. And, uh, oh, I just tell, I just straight up tell people like, I'm going to hug you now. <laughs> Can no. I hug you? Come okay, on, hug Incoming. <laughs> Watch out. And my word this year is abundance because my husband and I just bought a new home and we are in three times as much square footage as we were in previously. And I've been overwhelmed by the abundance the last few months. I've just been overwhelmed with gratitude and just pinching myself every day. Is this really my life? Am I really living in this big house? Am I really doing this with my kids? You know, so um, that abundance can leave us kind of shell-shocked. Sometimes I've realized when, when things are going exactly how you dreamed, but uh, sometimes that it, um, I, I'm still having a hard time putting words to this because I'm experiencing it yeah. now, but just, just the overwhelming, um, abundance is it, it can also be a burden. And I don't know, Brene talks about this, I think in one of her books and I'm not gonna remember which one. Um, but she talks about how, like when your life is going well, and I don't know if this is how you're feeling right now. I'm not trying to say that sometimes you're like in the back of, I know I do it all the time. Like things are so good. Like what's the bad thing that's going to happen well, like, I got a therapist for that. Oh, oh, I have a therapist too, but I'm, I'm still working through it. But like, seriously, but, but I think what Brene speaks to is like, ground yourself in gratitude. You deserve all the good things that are happening to you. Like that's a, that's a voice of doubt. That's a, like, that's a voice of, of, you know, not fear. Yeah. Fear. And so that's just how I always feel. I didn't know. Yeah. You. No, <laughs> so totally. I, 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 the first time I met with my therapist, I said, I'm still waiting for the hat to drop. I'm waiting yeah. for the other shoe to drop. I'm waiting mm-hmm. for something bad to happen. Mm-hmm. And I'm expecting either me or my husband to die any day now. Yeah. What can we do to live? Yeah. What can we do so that I don't yeah. expect death yeah. and doom around every corner, you know? Yeah. And she's like, she was yeah. great. She just said, um, she didn't really give me any advice, but she was a really great listener. So <laughs> hey, she made you feel heard. I know she made me feel heard. And she made me feel seen. And that was what I needed in the moment. And I think the tip to that is really just to keep going. Cause there's nowhere to, you know, you yeah. we're all gonna have those skeletons in our closet that are trying to get us to stop what we're doing. That's just the nature of the opposition we face as humans, right? So it's yeah. part of our life journey is to have opposition and the skeletons in the closet. But yeah, you can, I was thinking about this last night, actually, I was, well, I was preparing for this. You can let those demons stop you or you can face them and say, nothing's going to stop me. Mm-hmm. And this is a different, mm-hmm. nothing's going to stop me than when I'm manic, nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's going to stop me because I know who I am. I know where I'm going. 
And yeah. that yeah. that is unstoppable. And if you can, if you know that, the the key is you can help anybody else discover for themselves who they are and where they're going. Yeah. Great yeah. advice. Great. That's like you. the mountaintop though, right? Is to be able to do that. You know, like yes. and I think I let professionally and personally, that is something I struggle with. And that's why we love therapists because I think they help you like climb your mountain, right? And find the place where you can be like, I'm good. You Mm -hmm. demons in the closet, you just stay there for a minute and I'm going to handle my business. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, when I taught, that's not the, the demons got me (laughs) y'all. You know, but it's time. okay. Everybody has demons. Yeah. Everybody oh, yeah. has a reason to yep. quit. Everyone has a reason to quit. Yeah. So don't, don't, don't beat yourself up for quitting because uh, you had to do what was right for you in the time that you yeah. were yeah. doing it. Right. So you yeah. had to, you had to do what was right for you. And that meant walking away from teaching. And that's okay because the thing is, there's always going to be someone who's willing and ready to take on that new role of teaching and yeah. learning from it and yeah. helping those teachers to get going and keep going. Everybody has demons. So just accept it. It's, it's, yeah. Not- yeah. It took me a while because it was like this weird, like, it was so hard when I left because, and Lydia, I don't know if you went through any of this too, because I had a yeah. weird, like, huge sigh of relief. Like, I can finally move on and yeah. just, I've made the decision. But then I also felt this just terrible, horrible weight of, like, regret and that I just abandoned my kids. Mm-hmm. And how could I do yeah. that? And it was like, I'm not getting emotional right now. Am I? No, I'm not. But, um, <laughs> I like, <laughs> I get emotional. It was <laughs> such a weird, I know I, I am a low key a little bit, I know, you but are. it was <laughs> such a weird, like feeling like yeah. I love you so much, but I'm leaving you because yeah. I just can't do it yeah. anymore. And you know, that's, that was me putting myself first and in teaching, I feel like, and in this career in general, you're not allowed to do that. Um, yeah. Or I shouldn't say you're not allowed to. It's, it's just not it's favorable hard to do that. It's very hard. Yeah. It's yeah. not think, the popular think, thing to do. And you have to be the teacher yeah. that's like, I don't care if it's popular. Yeah. I don't care if it's what everyone else is doing. Yeah. I don't care if Mrs. Graham can keep it all together perfectly. Yeah. That's not me. I'm an imperfect teacher. I'm an imperfect person. And I have to take care of me. I'm the number one. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and if, if I can take care of me, trust me, I'll do better at taking care of you. A hundred percent. And so mm-hmm. I, that was Ooh, my goal. Yeah. Out. Okay. I like the way you just said that. <laughs> no, literally, I, I will take care of you better if I'm a hundred percent. That's yeah. that's that's gonna happen. But if you're not a hundred percent, that's when mm-hmm. shit hits the fan. Yeah. That's when things. It's go down. like RuPaul. My favorite drag queen, RuPaul Charles, is like, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Oh, exactly. Period. <laughs> it's exactly that. It's exactly well, that. <laughs> And I I keep seeing, you know, I'm kind of same as you, Angela, like I follow a lot of psychology accounts and like things again to speak to your mental health, like setting boundaries and enforcing boundaries is kind of the greatest form of love because you're loving yourself and you're Mm -hmm. loving the people you're trying to serve. And so it took me a long time to accept that, like knowing like, okay, the best thing for my students is actually that I'm not there because I can't possibly serve them with the way that I'm feeling right now because I'm, I'm starting to... I'm starting to regret it. I'm starting to like, I can't think of the word, like just be so annoyed and irritated that I'm there. And like Mm -hmm. the smallest things would irritate. And like, that's just not fair to them. That's not how you love someone. 
maybe this is just because I've been an educator for a long time and maybe it's because I just am committed to being an educator, but I realized a long time ago, I could be the bitchy teacher that was totally hated it when kids interrupted me and was totally rude. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. I am the teacher that if I'm typing an email and someone comes and talks at me, I keep typing my email because I have to finish <laughs> my thought or it will never come back. Yeah. So I finish mm -hmm. that sentence and then yeah. I say, okay, now I can hear you. Please tell me again, because you did not have my attention at the time you started talking to me, which is yeah. rude. So <laughs> learn to be nice. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I coach my kids through this all the time and they have learned if Mrs. Netterhead is typing, stop and stand there and wait. And she mm -hmm. will be ready for you in a few seconds, you know, and they've learned though. They've learned, okay, mm -hmm. I'll just stand here. And then when I'm done with my thought, oh, you know, and we can carry on. And so you have to set boundaries on little interactions like that, because if you don't, and you're mm -hmm. constantly interrupted. It takes you, you know, we learn, we know this about multitasking for you to stop and start a thing takes more cognitive effort than if you just finish the thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's not worth my cognitive effort to give up my thought in order to hear you because my cognitive effort is more important than whatever you're going to complain to me about, <laughs> but I'm willing to hear you when yeah. I can switch to your task, but you yeah. have to give me the time to do that. And, and if you, if you aren't doing mm -hmm. that for yourself in every interaction so that you can, and then my students know when I have her attention, I have her hundred percent undivided attention and she is going to give me her best answer. Yeah. They know that and they can feel it. So they they, they honestly will begin to believe it's worth the wait because they want the best of you. Yeah. You know, right. and, and when, yeah. and when I can give them, yep. Hey, I, I want to hear what you have to say so much. I want to be a hundred percent there. They mm -hmm. feel that they feel when you want to do that. And then you can stop resisting them or, you know, you can stop passively aggressively. What are you doing here? You know? <laughs> so, you know, yeah. and, and when you're in control, cause you're in control of the situation, you can control it. You really can. Yeah. And it's not easy, but it's worth it. It sounds like you have a, a good relationship with your students. How, how be the chill teacher. Hey, that's a great title. But, you know, <laughs> we love it. I've had to let go of a lot of things to be the chill teacher. Yeah. And it's all for the better, right? It's like, all for the better. The it's things. all for the better. I yeah. can't control them, but I yeah. can control how I do it and how exactly. who I am and what I'm mm -hmm. doing. And I'm chill because I'm in control of me. And yeah. I accept yeah. whatever they're, they want to do. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm a hundred percent accepting of whatever ideas they have. You know, I, I, if they have a bad idea, I try to guide them away from it and say, well, maybe <laughs> we should consider something, you know, something like this. What, what if we did it like this, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm totally open to their ideas and their perspective. And we do this. So I, I want to talk to you about my podcasting unit because when I, they have to choose their topic. Cause I'm not mm -hmm. going to motivate them if they don't have a topic they love. Yeah. Right. So they brainstorm a list of 10 things they can do a podcast on. And then I meet with them individually in class. I walk around and sit, you know, they're sitting at their computer and I'm standing behind them and I'm reading their lists and I'm saying, okay, which one do you like? Which one do you prefer? And they're, I don't know. Oh, or this one. I know I want to do this one. I'm really passionate about this. One. Okay, great. 
If you know what you want to do, go for it. 100% I support you. Think about this, this, this. I'm concerned about maybe this could be a problem. But you do what you can do. I'm, you might not find an answer to this, but Google the crap out of it. Tell me what you find. So, you know, I, I just, mm-hmm. I just give them the, I just give them the encouragement. And then uh, with their podcasting unit, when they, when they come to me sometimes with a, something that I'm not so sure about suicide is one of those that like, sometimes they want to talk about really heavy issues. And I tell them, you know, I'm open to you hearing to you telling me about suicide in teens. I'm hundred percent open to hearing about that topic, but mm-hmm. our district might not be so open to that. And we are going to post these publicly on your web pages. So yeah. be prepared. Someone might see this and might not be so happy about this topic, sure. but I'm a hundred percent behind you. I think it's an important topic. And so I've had, you know, and I'll tell them like this topic is touchy. I've had students want to do, you know, why are curse words a thing? Why do curse words exist? Who, who decided that this word is bad? Hmm. You know, well, it's an interesting topic and I will hundred yeah. percent support you in doing that topic, but just be aware you cannot say curse words in your talk. <laughs> oh, if this was your creative way to curse in your assignment. Yeah. Sorry. sorry. This is not going <laughs> to, you know, I can't mm-hmm. allow you to do that, but I yeah. do encourage you to think about it. It's a great topic. It's yeah, please, by all means research it, you know, and sometimes I let people research two or two topics if they can't decide research both of them and then you'll see which one really has the information that you want to share. They're like, yeah. oh, okay. So yeah. I, I, I'm very flexible. I totally let the student be in the driver's seat. And it's empowering because when they have finished those podcasts and they've done the research and they've done the work and they've done the interviews and they've done the recordings, they are so proud when they package yeah. it together and can put it on their portfolio. I bet. I've mm-hmm. had kids jumping up and, and down they should be. over those portfolios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're like, I really did hard work. Yes, you did. And yeah. I didn't yes. do it for you. you know? That's right. That's yeah. right. That's great. Do Lydia you, and I can attest okay. to how hard podcasting is. Oh man, we <laughs> really can. <laughs> yes, okay. all of this part right here is really easy. It's yes. everything else. It's everything yeah. else. No, everything else yeah. is really challenging. And you know, just giving them a glimpse of what it's like to do one episode. You know, they think that people just get on podcasts and just talk. They don't. Yeah. They don't know how much people prepare for podcasts you sure. know so when i help them do the mm-hmm. prep work before they even record anything i mean they are thinking about this podcast for two weeks before i let them record that's how long they're preparing that's and good. Then, you know when they realize oh gosh yeah. now i'm ready to record then they're then they feel really mm-hmm. confident because they know mm-hmm. you know it's great i love mm-hmm. pod- i love teaching podcasting it's my favorite unit that's so fun so you shared but you know when you you have your teacher friend who knows about your mental illness. Yes. And so you were talking about like having people that you trust know about this. I'm curious, like, do your, do your students know, do you talk about it with them or is that something that you keep to yourself? So I share it with them if I feel like it's important. So I've had students come to me with mental health. Like they just came out of a mental health hospital and I tell Mm -hmm. them like, I have been there. I know what you are going through. And I'll tell you this your grade might not be your priority right now. And I get that. But just remember, mm-hmm. C's get degrees. You can get a C and still pass or D minus or whatever to get the credit. You yeah. can still get the credit even if you don't succeed. And A might not be your goal right now. And that's okay to not have the A be your goal, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you're facing a mental illness. And so I tell my students that at parent-teacher conferences whenever they come to me, you know, and they're really scared to share with me what they've been going through. I just tell them, I have been there 100%. Let's reframe this because it's not for you. Your word is stability. 
your word is not a plus. Yeah. Like, you know, mm-hmm. so, and I, I just, I just tell them you do, you got to take it one step at a time. Mm-hmm. What like a powerful thing for a kid to hear, because I never, I never heard that growing up. It Me was neither. the grades. Right? right. And like, maybe I wouldn't have struggled so much with like perfection or like, how people view me if someone had told me like hey this is not this is okay like yes. i'm proud of you if you get the d girl you got the credit yes. look at you <laughs> yes no, and i that. like maybe i wouldn't have <laughs> taken on so many things as a teacher and felt like i had to if someone in my life had yeah. told me like and it's okay c for teachers to be c plus too <laughs> it's okay for the teacher to be c plus yeah and sometimes mm-hmm. that means mm-hmm. i let you work and i do my thing and I, yeah. I get out of the way so you can do your work. You know, teachers have a really hard time getting out of the way and letting kids just do the work. Mm-hmm. I don't know why yeah. we feel like we give them so much work. And yet we're going to interrupt them 150 times to tell them how to, micro, how to do it and micromanage them every step of the way. No. Sit back and watch. Let them do the yeah. work you've assigned and then be there to support. That's, our, that's your role. If you yeah. don't like that, then you're in the wrong profession. You know, you can't micromanage them. Well, and I know from your bio too, that you kind of operate in a flipped classroom, which is basically like what you just said, right? Like, so you give them the work and then you're there to support it and they can work at their pace. And like, I think, you know, we've done a lot of talking about teachers' mental health, right? And that's what we're here to is like support teachers. That's what we're here to do. But like, if you think about it, you have 25 to however many kids sitting in your classroom all struggling with their own mental health difficulties or maybe struggling with them too. And so it's like, how as you do one person, like how as you, as one person, how do you take on all of their difficulties and maintain your own mental health? And I think like sometimes it's just simplifying it, right? To like, to what you just said is like stepping back, like let them let you know when they need you. Yeah. So and, and I, continually I don't know them. if you want to speak to that. Um, so I record videos. I do that. And I prepare all the work. I do the work when they're not watching me. I do the work. I prepare the stuff. It's all there on canvas. They can do it. And then when, and then before, you know, at the, at the beginning of the day, I'll say, Hey, your assignment's on canvas. If you have questions or there's a few things I need to troubleshoot with you when you come to this part, it's going to be like this. Be prepared for that. And if you, you know, need me. I'm here. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready for you. Whenever you need me, go forth and conquer. That's what I say to you. I say that to them almost mm-hmm. every day. Go forth and conquer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do the work, you conquer it. When you're not ready, when, when you get stuck, come ask me. And I love it when they get stuck because I get to, I get to help and I get to be there. You know, it's like, it's great. But watching them go through it, sometimes, you know, the quietest kids, you don't know what their podcast is going to be. And then they turn in this like, mini masterpiece and you're like I thought you weren't doing anything the last two weeks I thought you were playing chess on your computer I saw you playing chess on your computer but you know what that's when I stopped I stopped micromanaging cell phones and game time on the computers because Mm. it is not my job to micromanage their relationship with technology I tell them this at the beginning of the year. I say, your your relationship with your phone is between you and your parents and your phone. And I don't need to be in the middle of it. But if it is a problem, I will remind you, hey, it seems like this is kind of a problem. I think you should fix yeah. it. But I'm not going to 
tell you never to be on your phone. And kids will come up to me, mom, I really need to take this call. Can I take it? Yeah, go take your call. Well, I don't care because it's your own pace. I'm, I'm not up teaching in the front. You're not being rude to yeah. me. You're not, you know, because I made it so flexible. Yes, you can pause and go take that phone call and come back. And um, I just like working that way so much better because then they're not constantly, I, I almost wish I could just tell them all, don't even ask me to go to the bathroom. Just go. Because yeah. <laughs> you don't need to, you know, okay. I don't, I trust you. I don't need mm -hmm. to know where you are because the assignment will come due at some point. And either you have been doing the work and doing what you're supposed to, or you haven't and your grade will show it. So I don't need to worry about all the, you know, like you said, all the things, all their mental health, all the things. Sometimes I get to be involved in that, but most of the time I just have to leave it to Jesus because I can't, I can't take on their mental health. I can't. I can't be that person for them. But if they ask me to be that person for them, I want to be ready. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, it's interesting. You're, you've both, I wanted, I, I'm asking you now because you've both left, left education. I am next year going on a, a new journey, a new adventure. I am going to be going to part-time teaching and part-time oh. mortgage, uh, mortgage, um, a mortgage loan officer from cool. home so I can be with my girls. Nice. More. So I'm hoping right. to make mm -hmm. more money in less time and be able to, st I still wanted to be a teacher and I needed the stability of the schedule and also the stability of the um, income while yeah. we get this mortgage yeah. off, the, off the ground. But when did you know you were ready to just to say goodbye to it? How did you know? Nikki, you, I'm not go first? you go first, Lydia. No, no, no. You go first. <laughs> I, so I think I had a really big, like mental halt probably soon after I got engaged and I started thinking about like, okay, this next chapter of my life is going to start and I'm going to be a mom. Like, I, I mean, I want to have kids, right? Like, and I just could not, I mean, literally every free moment I had, I was working on stuff for my classroom and my students and I was coaching and like, I had no healthy work-life balance. Teachers have a whole new. Level it's a whole of, different world, yeah, right? Coach teachers have it the worst, I think, because they um, don't have a. They can't balance it both. No, you're there twenty-four-seven. Yep, you're in it, and you're just—it's just another layer. And so, I think that's what really got. And again, like I was feeling just so tired and so yeah. frustrated with a lot of things. Um, and I really, it was the moment of realizing, like, am, am I going to be able to be the best wife, the best mom when that day comes, the best friend, the best sister, the best daughter? Am I going to be able to be the best human I can be with, with while being a teacher? And so I think it was kind of that reflective moment of realizing, no, I, I was not on a path and didn't have the support and the strategies to help me do that. And yeah. so that was when I was like, okay, it's time to go do something different. Um, and unlike you, Angela, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to school to be a teacher. Like I didn't really grow up thinking I was going to be a teacher necessarily. So I think I had already also been exposed to like other content and skills and knowledge to be yeah. like, I can go, you, I can go use my talents for something different yeah. and still, um, find a way to fulfill this passion of helping people. Just, it doesn't have to be my 100% day-to-day job. Right. Like I want to dedicate my life to serving other people this way. I can still do it in a different way. So, right. Right. 
that was that was probably the tipping point for me. That's what that's what I've been telling myself too. Like helping people through the biggest purchase they're going to make in their lives is probably yeah. also going to be it's also going to be helpful if I can apply the same things to it. Yeah. So, Nikki, what about you? Yeah, for sure. Um. So, yeah, I there's so many things. Um. So like a little backstory. I graduated high school in 2010. My parents always said that I had to go to college, right? If they hadn't have said that, I probably would have gone to cosmetology school right out of college. But I went to college. And saved yourself so um, much money. (laughs) Right? I know. I know. Like, I am a cautionary tale. Let it. I will be that. And my mom has actually, like, we had this discussion right after I left teaching because I would come home every day crying. And I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And then she's seen how happy I am with doing what I do now. She's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I feel like I forced this on Mm -hmm. you. So anyway. I, um, taught for five years, but the part when I really, when it really, really clicked for me is like, I w- I just resented everything. I resented the kids. Yes. I resented my yes. coworkers. I resented the fact I had to wake up at six o'clock every day that I came home to go oh. to my second job. Um, yes, my weekend hate- didn't belong to me. I couldn't, I couldn't make money. I didn't have, I wasn't making, I made $39,000 a year. My first year teaching, I couldn't pay my car, my student loans, all of my stuff. Um, I couldn't, I was living in my parents' basement. Um, and there was no end in sight. Right. So anyway, my life was just full of resentment towards everything. And then it was like flooding into my personal relationships too. So I was completely unhappy. That was my tipping point. And I, the, the minute I started resenting the kids that sat in my classroom, I'm like, this is not okay. They have done nothing to deserve this. I need to go. So um, that's what, and I think that I never, that's a sad way to go. Like I wish I would have realized earlier. Um, I honestly think I might've known after my first year of teaching that it wasn't for me, but I wanted to stick with it and keep trying because that's just how, how I was raised and what I, what I, um, what I do. But I will say this, um, I can still look back on like font, with fondness and love on my teaching career, because one, it's just invaluable experience, like life experience, job experience, like you create every other profession with what you're doing in your classroom. So definitely look back on that with fondness, but I very much need to feel fulfilled by what I'm doing. And with what I'm doing now with aesthetics, one, I'm making plenty of money. Like I make enough money to support myself and, travel and do all the things that I was missing in my teaching career. Um, but I also just really like making people feel good about themselves. And so that's what I was missing too with teaching is like, it just, I didn't feel good about myself. I wasn't making kids feel drama teachers. Yeah. Drama (laughs) teachers just have to, no, I look at our drama teacher and I'm like, girl, you are here till 10 o'clock at night doing rehearsals, doing plays, doing the things like drama teachers have a whole new, like, I don't, I don't know how you do work-life balance with drama, drama teaching and coaching. That does not surprise me because you just take on so much. I think what's also different about our drama teachers is you guys do like, you know, one or two plays. I mean, like however many that culminating weekend has, and that's it. Like I had like, 14 or 15 soccer games every season. Like we had lots of chances to like do it 
we'll do it better. We were not very good. Like love if any Schlegel girls <laughs> listen to this, like just know I love you all very dearly, but we really struggled. Um, right. <laughs> but like we had lots of changes. Like you all have like a very much like a Coleman. There's a lot of pressure, I guess is what I'm there trying to say. Pressure. Cause you, everything yeah. is like building towards yeah. a very yeah. small number of opportunities yeah. to get it right. Yeah. It was like that with the TV show too. Yes. When oh, I, was I bet. Yeah. Because the deadline, yeah. You know, when I, when I started the show, we were doing live segments every day for 10 minutes. Do you know how hard it is to come up with 10 minutes of content for every for five days a week? It, I mean, Sounds these like kids a lot did day. nothing yeah. but TV broadcasting. And they had two class periods together to do it. But it was insanity. And so a couple years down yeah. the road, we decided, what if we just did two shows a week instead of five shows a week? And our content just automatically got so much better because it wasn't yeah. like – as we could plan a lot more and we could be more successful. So reducing those amount of times that we were live really helped. So we, we did two shows a week for a long time and then COVID hit. And then it was like, now what do we do? Cause now we're even more, like students aren't even in school for a while. Mm-hmm. So how do yeah. we connect? You know? And so we, we didn't, we did, uh, we put together some like more video magazine type kind of content. And we did that once a week mm. for a, for like the year after COVID and that was like as successful as it could be in with the pandemic going on. But yeah. it was, but just having one show a week made it so much because oh, it was yeah. like, it was just so much better to manage for me and the kids and my stress just went way down. And that's when I started going, Oh, I think I'm ready for a new challenge. I think I'm ready for something new because I wasn't so bogged down just by the amount of content we had to create, you know? Yeah. But like I said, I've had to give up a lot of things in order to, you know, you have to make sacrifices for what, what you, where you ultimately want to go and making those sacrifices is definitely challenging. But, um, now, now it's a new challenge of how do I work at home with kids? You know, how is that going to be? Yeah. I have no idea, but I I know best of luck. Right. (laughs) I mean, I love having my time away from my kids. That's that's exciting. I'm I'm happy for you, and I think it's just such a good story to talk for for teachers to hear to like advocate for yourself, and yes. again find the thing that's going to work best for you. Like maybe that's not full time teaching. Yes. Like I think that's such an important yes. thing for people to hear. And and, and I'm, yes. I'm and not also way because I am over, I'm not the overbelt where I'm stressed out. You know, like yeah. can't handle this teacher. I'm right. a teacher that does right. it well. And I did it so well that I'm so in love with it. I don't want to leave it. And yeah. now I'm having a hard time letting go because yeah. I, because I took those efforts to take care of myself. I'm not leaving a burned out mess. I'm leaving because I have other, other opportunities that will pay me better. That's, That's it. Right. If teaching That's paid right. me, like I'm going to get yeah. paid as a mortgage, you know, as a mortgage loan originator, then I probably would stay in teaching. Yeah. And that's the tragedy of our country yeah. right now, along with so many other professions that are just getting squeezed, you know, nurses and truck drivers and all these, all these industries are facing yeah. these incredible limits over. I don't, I don't even know what, I don't even know how to solve yeah. these big problems, but no, you're, well, you're that right. could be a whole other podcast it, episode. It's sure could. Come back and talk to us about it. This, yes. Right. Yes. This always blows people's minds when I tell them, but I, my one of the things I specialize in as an esthetician is is waxing and I do a lot of Brazilian waxes and I make almost double than what yeah. I made teaching Isn't that wild? um because you're willing to wax. very sad <laughs> yeah oh yeah I mean don't get me wrong it's That's not exciting. glamorous work but no, it, it's is, not, but it, it is it is very so... important work <laughs> 
it is important, but that's like even beside the point. But someone can do that for a living and make almost double what someone double. like education is so important. It's so important. It's, it's the like the root of, of our everything. Society. It's the cornerstone. And we of are what not paying teachers. No. Yeah. Yeah. We are not paying and, the professionals because so, they are teachers are professionals. Right? Amen. And they're not getting paid as professionals. You know, yeah. it was really hard gross. for me to act like a profess- <laughs> professional when I realized I wasn't getting paid like a professional. I started wearing leggings yeah. to work and I was just like, you yep. know what? Until you pay me like yeah. I made of money, I am not going to act like I made of money because you don't pay me enough. Yep. So I, yeah. I, I, I've had yep. a, I've had a hard time with that. Totally. And gone back and forth. So this is my this yeah. is my how to keep my hopes high for the future, yeah. and you know, still keep yes. my toe in the water because I care about the students, and I don't want to, yes. you know, abandon them and have teacher guilt. I don't like teacher guilt. No, so, no. no, nobody does. We all get it at different times, but um, I've actually learned to manage the teacher guilt too, just because I have all these boundaries. I don't experience as much teacher guilt as I did in the beginning when I had less boundaries. So. Yeah, sure. You know, if you do this, it really does help with the mental load. Really does. I like it. So we're going to walk away. We're all going to simplify the things that we do. We're going to do less so we can technically like do more with the less, right? So many good things, Angela. Less is more. Less is more. It really is. Nuggets of knowledge we've gotten today. (laughs) I can just envision like so many like quotes that are going to go on our feed on Instagram. This, this. Right. So I earlier I wanted to like chime in when she was talking about napping and she said something like teachers deserve a nap or teachers need a nap. And I'm like, that should be the title of this episode. (laughs) Teachers need a nap exclamation point. Yes, I will gladly be the spokesperson for teachers need a nap movement. Like anytime (laughs) you can sign me up for that movement. I will do it a hundred percent. I respect it. We need shirts. We need posters. We need all of it because teachers need a nap. Darn it. Teachers need a nap. You know what? I wish it was more acceptable. If it was more acceptable, maybe I should give my students more naps because they do ask for naps sometimes. And I'm usually like, come on, but I really should just be like, you want a nap? Great. Let's turn off the lights. Let's all take a nap. I'll take a nap. And if you're not going to nap, it's the same. It's the same thing I tell my toddler during quiet time. If you're not going to close your eyes, that's fine. But I don't want to hear your voice. And he just looks at me like, mom, Uh, (laughs) like, I don't want to hear your voice. And I don't want to feel your body move. Like you need to sit still. I need to be quiet because your body needs to rest. Just don't disturb my my nap Mm -hmm. while I'm laying next to you. Right. Uh, Because teachers need a nap. Because teachers need a nap. Even former teachers. Moms need a nap. Moms need a nap. That's our second movement, Angela. We'll we'll have teachers need a nap and then moms need a nap. All right. Listen, I fully support the moms need a nap. (laughs) I I know you do. I think, I I think a job harder than than teaching is parenting for sure i don't have children but i watch like my sister raise hers and i'm like "Mm, i'm good thanks (laughs) all right working well (laughs) super good well angela thank you so much for taking time to join us today we've loved digging into mental health and and your journey as a teacher uh, with the mental illness and sharing all of your advice i know i walked away with some good nuggets for my own self to use um and i know our, our teacher listeners will too so we're going to wrap it up by asking you to share a warm, fuzzy story. And then Nikki's going to put you through our rapid fire questions. So do you have a warm, fuzzy to share with us? Uh, I have a couple that are coming to mind. Uh, 
the, my favorite warm fuzzy is the day that I won the, the teacher of the year award for the broadcast awards, which is the competition that my students go to That's uh, amazing. for video and TV. I worked yeah. so hard to learn that, 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 that position. And I know I wasn't the best teacher there. I know I'm not the best teacher of those teachers, but to be honored by those teachers and them recognizing how much I dove into it and just put my whole heart and soul into it really it was like the gift that gave back to me. And when I, I have that crystal award, I don't have it up on a shelf. I have it right next to my desk so that I can remind myself when I'm having a low day, you know, I still, I'm still teacher of the year. I still <laughs> earned that award. I still, I still um, earned it from my, from my coworkers. And that um, gives me the warm fuzzies to keep going. But on another note, when I communicate with my students and I hear about their lives, you know, um, I, I, did a little surprise for my students when I got pregnant for the first time and we were having our end of year party and I uh, announced my pregnancy and one of the girls broke out into serious tears like full on like cry fest over my pregnancy and I did not realize like how emotionally invested she was in Mm -hmm. me right until she's like bawling because I just said I'm pregnant and she's so happy. And uh, that one student has gone on to be my nanny for my, my two girls. And she just got pregnant herself this year. Like five years later, she's now pregnant and is having her first baby. And so she had to bow out as my nanny, but we became good like friends and just, uh, she was so supportive and having just one student that I know, like made a difference that I made a difference to and that she like appreciated it and wanted to be there for me too. And it just meant so much to me. And it's the things that we're building as teachers is truly relationships. And how do you take that with you other than just Mm -hmm. to like treasure them and just be, be wonderful. I, I keep, I always say, I wish I got paid in thank you notes. I don't, but I wish (laughs) I did because if I did get paid in thank Mm -hmm. you notes, and I pulled out my drawer of thank you notes because I keep every single one because I'm that person. I get it. <laughs> I keep every single one and they're all in a folder. And whenever I'm having a bad day or I'm just not feeling it, I go through and I read those thank you notes and I remember those kids. And it makes me realize like that relationship, what I did for that kid. I don't know if he's going to remember in 10 years, but I feel like I did the best I could at that moment. And that's Absolutely. what matters. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. Yes. Your turn. Okay. Let's stretch and warm warm up. up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So these are just rapid fire. Your question or your answers are just like short and sweet. Okay. So we're going to start with number one. What is your go-to hype song? Oh, hype. I thought you said hike for yeah, a yeah, second. Hike. Like I was going to go on sorry, a hike. Sorry. I was hike, like, like uh... <laughs> no. okay. Um, I really hype song. I love Lady Gaga. And that is my mm, students and I discovered yes. that we had a deep love of Lady Gaga and sang it. We're driving the suburbans home from the broadcasting awards. And we sang for 45 minutes to Lady Gaga at the top of our love. That was like our favorite moment together. Me and my students driving down the highway, trying to get home <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night. And they're singing Lady Gaga in the backseat. It was the best. That was the best night. I love that. So yeah. anything of Mother Monster. Got oh, it. yeah. I mean, I don't know why she just hypes <laughs> um, me up. She just gets me going. 
It's because she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what piece of advice do you think teachers need to hear? Like one singular piece of advice you would give to teachers. Take care of yourself, love yourself and be, be good to you and, and let that joy that you give to yourself bleed out to everyone else. Love it. Love that. It's like a perfect <laughs> summary of our episode today. It sure uh, is. Okay. What does being, I know, right? What does being a bold teacher mean to you? I think it means feeling the fear and doing it anyway. I do that every day. Whenever I get scared to share my mental health journey or where I'm at mental health wise, if I'm having a not so great day, sometimes I tell my students, Hey guys, I'm not having a good day. And um, just being honest with them, uh, they're a lot more sympathetic and empathetic than me. Mm-hmm. We have to give them opportunities to show us what they're made of. And mm-hmm. we're saying, Absolutely. I'm having a bad day, guys. Just bear with me. They are lots more compassionate than, than we think they'll be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. These are, this is, it's time for our this or that section. So Ooh. phone call or text? Phone call. And text. Mm, I'm a bother, okay. but oh, uh, I would, I really do love, like if a friend picks up the phone and calls me and I miss it, I'm sad. I call them back. Like I just, I love it when people call me. Okay. Okay. Music or podcasts? I'm a music person in my classroom. 100%. I play music all day. Like I have a Pandora premium account and I curate my music. This is why I'm called the chill teacher because I collect <laughs> your favorite music and I subtly put it in. I have a get to know you worksheet that they fill out and I, on it is like, what's your favorite music or band? And I pull all those. And if I like it, I add it to my Pandora shuffle station. And if I don't like it, I don't add it. But if I like it, then I add it. And so mm-hmm. my taste in music is very eclectic and very uh, totally me. And they love it. They they, they love it. So I'm totally 100% music in the classroom is my thing. But sometimes I get tired of the music on the way home and listening to a podcast just like refreshes me in a way that the music just kind of because I get in a funk with the music sometimes because I've been listening all day. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Last one. Beach or mountains? Oh, I'm a mountain girl at heart. I mean, I'm from Utah. We have the most beautiful mountains in the world, according mm-hmm. to me. And people who come here Uh, and I it's weird because when I live in Utah I dream about the beach in Abu Dhabi and when I live in Abu Dhabi I dream about the mountains in Utah so I don't know why but my heart is just not content no matter where I am I have to just always be yearning for something else I don't know she's not a this or that kind of girl she's She's not very clearly (laughs) very well Thank All right, you girl. Again. Well, you survived. So good you job. <laughs> yeah. Very no. good job. Well, thanks again, Angela. Uh, you know, we truly appreciate you taking time for us and everything that you do for your students. Uh, we've really loved hearing about all of it. And I know they appreciate you. Uh, to all our listeners, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on social. And if you'd like to be interviewed like Angela or have a warm fuzzy to share, let us know by emailing hello at theboldteacher.com or DMing us on social. As always, be bold. And remember, you are more than a teacher.